Hello, this is A.R. Bernard, and welcome to my podcast. My objective, it's simple, to create a platform where you can be educated, informed, and inspired as you navigate the intersection of faith and culture. If you have no faith, maybe you'll find it here. So, thanks for tuning in. We were down there for uh, several reasons in Nashville, Tennessee. We had a town hall meeting at Bishop uh, Joseph Walker's church, and we appreciated him opening his house and participating with us. We had a panel discussion about the issues of division, uh, racial, political tension, polarization in our society, and it was a fantastic conversation, and we had an incredible response to it. It's, and it's, it's key for Nashville, just so you can understand. So the city of Nashville, uh, for, for political terms, uh, we use red and blue. Nashville itself is a, is a blue city, but surrounding Nashville is a whole bunch of red. And what has happened was because of the divide between the, the nation and, um, you know, within the nation, then within the, the religious environment, you have individuals that only from Knoxville that are making statements like, if you are a Democrat, you're not a cruel Christian. Uh, so there's a big tension that's happening down in Tennessee itself. Uh, they call them Democrats. Democrats. Yeah, Democrats. So, so what, what has happened was we, we noticed that there's a, there's a tension that's going on there, and the town hall came out of responding to that tension because some of the pastors, and they were, they were um, is this politically correct, white pastors uh, from the Mountain of the Caucasus? I've seen some. Okay. No, I just want to make sure. You know, everybody's so, they, like, the emotions on their yeah, seat. you got to be so, so politically yeah. correct. Yeah. There, there were white pastors who approached us. Yes. And said, can you come down? We want to see unity. We want things to come together. And we believe that God has touched the uh, black leadership, Christian leadership in the nation to usher in the next revival in our nation. And this is what we keep hearing all over, everywhere we go. So we said, okay, let's do something. So we did something in Knoxville. Uh, myself, Nona Jones, uh, Dr. Bernice King, Dr. King's daughter, and uh, Helen Hill. Uh, and we, we had that first conversation of consequence uh, last year. Yes. And it went over very, very well. And it was still interesting because there were leaders who were afraid to come. And we did it in, intentionally in a specific community. And it went over very, very well. So it's called Building Bridges. So keep that in your prayer. Yes. We're going to be in Atlanta and we're taking it around the country and having conversations of consequence to build bridges while people continue to um, double down on their tribalism. The church should be the reconciler. The church should be the healer. And we should be not a part of the problem. We should be a part of the solution. And, Amen. And Dr. Greg, Greg Jones made, had made a, a comment because Hollywood Hill was uh, moderating the uh, conversation, he asked a question. He said, we're talking about building bridges, but the question is, do people want to build a bridge? And Dr. Greg Jones said, he said the sad you know, reality is that for a particular group of white America, they are at a place where they said, no, we're comfortable. Why, why shake the waters? Why everything's going good? You know, and, and building a bridge is gonna take a lot of individuals out of their comfort zone in order to address certain elephants in the room. And people are asked why, and uh, Dr. Greg jo uh, Jones is the president of Belmont University, and he was part of the panel discussion as well. And people ask, well, why should the church be involved? The church is the voice, the prophetic and moral voice of the Lord Jesus Christ. Like, yo, yo, did y'all hear what I just said? We are the pillar and ground for truth. We have the ministry of reconciliation. Did you all read that in the book? God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. And he has given us the ministry and word of what? Reconciliation. And we shrink back and we allow the culture to dictate who we are. No, scripture dictates who we are. Our relationship with God dictates who we are and how we function in the society. And I will tell you, across the boards... People are looking for, I put it on there, 
um, Pastor Jamal came up with this. We were we did on Friday, so we had the the um, the town hall meeting on Thursday night, and then Friday morning we met with pastors, and we shared together. And Pastor Jamal came up with something that was so important to explain some of the things that we're doing here in New York that they want to do now in uh, Nashville and other parts of the, the country as we carry this on. 30 for 30. Yes. Explain the 30 for 30. So 30 for 30 uh, started out of a... Con- Pastor Adam and I have been doing ministry together. And one of the things we did was in, uh, before we started doing ministry together... Uh, we, we promised each other, we wouldn't invite each other to minister in our pulpits uh, until we built relationship. So we didn't want to just build a relationship, oh, you come in and say at my church, or come in and say at your church, because that tends to be the, the normal relationship building. But we said we need something bigger than just uh, uh, ministering together, because don't, I, I don't, if you can't cry with me, it's difficult for you to do ministry with me, right? So I need to find individuals in my life to, that's going to say, I can call them, and I'm, I'm, I, if I'm crying, you know, they, they're going to be moved to cry because of this connection. You ever meet any individual like that, and they just start crying because you're crying because they feel your hurt, they empathize at such a deep level. And I think that the, the depth of the prayer life for somebody that's asking you to pray for you it comes out of the connection that they have with you. Mm. So we ended up doing this uh, building relationship, and he, uh, you know, I told Adam, I said, you know, a lot of the pastors look at us weird. Because they don't understand our relationship. You know, let's, let's invite them into our, our environment and what, what we're doing and how we're doing it. So he, he's, he came up with the idea and said, let's, do, uh, let's take passes out to, uh, in senior leadership and up emerging leadership and their uh, you know, associate ministers. And let's bring them out, 30 passes, because we're going to keep it small and intimate, for 30 hours. And we'll get, uh, and we'll get it funded so that passes won't come out of their pocket because we want to be able to... Uh, uh, bring the smaller churches and the larger churches together, right? Because the smaller churches, we, we get value, right? And the larger churches, you know, we, they come off their island because a lot of larger churches tend to be an island upon themselves. So we, we say, we, let's bring them together. And what, we, we, what happens on those 30 for 30s are amazing uh, to the point where some of the discussions take us two, three hours in the morning just talking and, and, and praying with each other, crying with, with each other and being vulnerable and knowing that that, Vulnerability is not going to be the next title for somebody else's message on the next Sunday, right? Because that's another concern. I'm, I'm give, sharing my life, and next you know, it's a message for somebody. I'm like, wow, you know, talk about, you know, and me, if you do that to me, I'm coming to your church. So that's a different story. To do what? To pray with them again. Yeah, right. <laughs> He's quick on that one. He was quick on that one. Uh-huh. Right hand, right hand of fellowship. Class. Yeah, the right hand of fellowship. <laughs> right, praise the Lord. <laughs> So, so, but you use language that was so important. It was so yes. spirit-inspired. A-R-D-L-T. You can write it down. Authentic relationships doing life together. Yep. Authentic relationships doing life together. And that and, is what they are thirsty for. The church, the leadership in the church it's difficult to find authentic relationships that is willing to do life with them. And that's where 30 for 30 started creating an environment where we are having authentic relationships that Doing is willing to do life with them. A-R-D-L-T. You got that? And, and I'll tell you, not only leaders need that, we all need that. We need authentic. So many relationships are so bogus, born of the culture, born of the flesh, instead of born of the spirit. Relationships that are born of the flesh have a terminal condition mm-hmm. built into it, all right? And they usually lead towards death. But relationships that are born of the Spirit have life. They are the long-term relationships that are God-inspired, Holy Spirit-inspired, and God-given. And we need, or if he's going to fix your mic, I think, yeah. Uh, we need authentic relationships. How many can count on their hand the authentic relationship that you have? And, and that's, that's a problem because those, those are a relationship that we can be transparent with, that we, can, that we can be vulnerable. And you just can't, you know, transparency is where you share what your life is about. And you can't share that with everybody. Some people can't handle what your life is about if you're going to truly be transparent. 
Vulnerability is where you let people speak into what your life is about. That's a whole nother level because there are some people you can be transparent with, but you can't be vulnerable with. You can show them what your life is about so they can learn from it, but you, you can't let them speak into what your life is about because they're not qualified to. They don't have the maturity, the experience, the wisdom, amen, the authenticity to do that. So relationships are so critical, and that's what most people struggle with in life. We can manage our money better than we manage our relationships. And Jesus said, relationship precedes ministry. Well, he didn't say it like that. That's an A.R. Bernardism. But he said, if you are at the altar and you're offering your gift, and while you're there, you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift at the altar Go first and be reconciled with your brother. Some Chinese says run. I like that. Run. The urgency of it. So what was he, what's, what's that saying? It's saying that the relationship is more important than your religious practice and your gift to God. Relationships are critical. Relationship precedes ministry. Jesus went around building relationships, and that opened the door to ministry. You look at the conversations that he had, like with the woman at the well, Nicodemus and others. You know, he took the time to engage in conversation. And that's why conversations of consequence are so important. Because when we sit down and hear, tell me your story. Tell me. I don't know. I don't want to assume. I don't want to perceive you in a certain way based upon stuff that I may have heard or, you know, look, first impressions can be lasting impressions. It's true, but they're not always accurate impressions. Say that again, please. First impressions can be lasting impressions, but they're not always accurate impressions. How many had a first impression with someone, and after you got to know them, it changed your perception of that person? Yeah, we don't know. So tell me your story. Let's dialogue. And in a polarized society where people are doubling down in their tribe, all right, we need more conversations of consequence and civil discourse. And this is why we're trying to model that by having these kind of conversations and take on the hard issues. I got a call from uh, a pastor friend of mine. He's going to be, in fact, he texted me last night, late last night, late last night, but uh, he's going to be in Canada and he's going to be doing an interview. And he said to me, he, he texted me, he said, I have to, I'm going to be asked a question about um, individuals serving in the church who engage in a lifestyle that's inconsistent with scripture. And he says, I don't know what to say. Help me craft. What do I say? How do I answer this politically charged, religiously charged, socially charged uh, question? So I sat down and just, and, and, and just prayed about it and the Holy Spirit inspired me to create a statement. I ran it by my editor, Pastor Karen Bernard, and she said, that's good, that's good. And I sent it to him. He read it. He said, you know, this is filled with balance and wisdom. Thank you so much. So I said to him, let me know how it's going to, how it turns out once it happens. And it's a statement that I should have thought about preparing in the first place. But sometimes, sometimes circumstances will cause you to prepare someone else for something and God's actually preparing you for it. And I'm saying, okay, something's coming and I'm going to need this statement. This is how God got me to do it. Amen? Praise the Lord. I'm not going to tell you what it is. No. <laughs> not now, but we will because it's going to come up. And so what happened was the pastor's from down there, wanted to know what we do, what do we do, how do we do it? Because they hear about uh, what's happening in New York. There's a lot of stuff happening in New York. At at at, at a, once again, at authentic. Now you hear Mark came up. So I brought him yeah. up. I said, yeah. you got to experience it. So I said, Pastor, come up. You know, hang out with us, and you'll see it. And he hung out with us, met with the pastors. He saw what we were doing, and he was like, Wow, we really need this. And he because he originally came to me and said, he said to me, he said, I want to do reconciliation and unity uh, with the black church. I said, Let me ask you a question. The uh, the people that you're looking to reach out to, do you have a relationship with them? And he said, No. So I said, What are you reconciling? 
right? Because it, it denotes that there's, a, there's been a previous relationship. I know what broke the relationship, and we're going to fix this mm-hmm. relationship. Mm-hmm. And I said, no, you need, you need to do, you know, look at them and say, okay, how can we develop a relationship? And not only that, what is going to be the five, ten-year goal of the development of this relationship? Because too often we as a black church, people come to us and say, well, we want to build a relationship, but what do you want out of this? What's the agenda? Where are you going to go with this? You know, what, how is it going to be benefit, um, mutually beneficial for both parties? And we get invited to the table uh, for a photo op, but not for our voice. Hmm. Hmm. And I said, are you going to allow them to use their voice and be prepared for the uncomfortable conversations? I said, so come up to New York. This is how we talk in New York. This is how we do it. I don't know how you guys are down in Nashville yet, but this is how we do it. He came up, we enjoyed it, and then he invited us down, and then uh, Friday morning came. And he saw the diversity. He saw unity in diversity. And that's what the Trinity is about, right? It demonstrates unity in diversity, the Godhead. And he saw that. I, you know, I, I mean, Asian, African-American, Latino, white. I mean, across the boards, all these pastors and leaders come together when we do these intensive. So we did 30 for 30, came up. But also we do a pastor's prayer summit uh, in January. Talk a little bit about that. So the pastor's prayer summit is a time for the pastors, once again, to pray together. We need a lot of prayer. So we, we, do, we try to pray as much as we can with each other, for each other. Uh, and so for three day, two days, right? It's, no, because check-in. Yeah, three right, days, yeah, three roughly days. Three, days, three days. Two and a half days. Two and a half, yeah. We, uh, we go up and we have uh, a time where about 400 pastors from the tri-state area come together and we worship together, we pray together, we, we, um, uh, and then we cre- created a theme uh, which was genius, so that we can have more consistency. So one year we did Psalms, uh, what was that, 23? Psalm 23. Psalms 23. And each minister had two scriptures, two, two verses to, uh, to break down and, and, and um, speak about. And it just co- caused a nice cohesion and consistency of, uh, in the thread of what we're looking to do throughout that weekend, uh, and these, those three days. And these are authentic relationships. When you come there, you, you know, and, and, and if you put on, we take it off. <laughs> Yo, you don't need to, you know, look, look, you're with us. Let's, let's be real here. So we insist on authenticity. And after a while, those who are new into that environment, they take off the mask. I mean, you know, we, we, we can develop in a way that we're so used to wearing the mask. In so many ways, in so many contexts, we've got to wear the mask. And to be in a context where you can just take off the mask and be real and, and not have people judge you and be critical uh, in their judgment. Because we all judge. We have a responsibility to judge because we're discerning the needs of these pastors when they come as well. Leaders are burning out. Pastors are quitting, abandoning their congregations. Pastors are getting caught up in scandal, in, in all types of failure. So there is a, a, a crisis in leadership, especially in the church, and it's across the boards. There are those who don't want to go into the ministry or who, are go, who, or who go into the ministry for the wrong motivations. Uh, we're seeing it everywhere. So please, as, and, and why, you know, people have seen a, a type of leadership modeled here at CCC between Pastor Jamal and I and how we've grown and we've been consistent for 44 years of ministry. Uh, and they're pulling from it. Tell us how you did it. Help us. Let's share best practices. Let's, let's help understand each other. And I think that not only 30 for 30 for leaders and prayer summit for leaders, but I think these are things that need to be done with the layperson. How many of you would come to a meeting like that where you just kind of, all right, six of them. Right, in the work. Right, we'll get there. Some of them start looking at we'll their calendar there. and thinking about their time. Like, can I give up two days? Yeah, that's, that's it. You know, you, you, you get what you put in. Simple. And if you're willing to invent. When you come here on a Sunday, you're worshiping God as a priest. You're offering sacrifices of praise to the Lord. Amen? But you are also investing in your spiritual growth and development. The whole experience here is about your growth and development. And let me say this to you, all right? We are all called to be leaders. I'm going to try that one more time. We are all called by God 
to be leaders. In fact, good followers make the best leaders because leaders know how to follow other leaders. That's part of their leadership ability, ability and leadership capacity. I was reading um, a text in Revelation, uh, Revelation chapter 5. I'll give you some time to find Revelation. And it is, if you've read, you know, Revelation, you've got chapter 5, it's the scroll and the lamb. And the lamb, of course, is the Lord Jesus Christ. And there is a scroll to be opened. And he's the only one qualified to open the scroll. And the prayers of the saints are as incense in golden bowls. Verse 9, and they, all of those who were gathered, the assembly who was gathered, and they sang a new song, all right? And don't think of it as just singing a song, all right? In other words, they were introducing a new age, a new period. They sang a new song. Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed the people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. Stop right there. Who, who is it talking about? Huh? Who's it talking about? Talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. Who, who shed his blood on the cross? Come on, church. Jesus did, right? And so that he could what? Reconcile us back to God the Father. And he did it from every tribe and language and people and nation. Why? What did he tell the disciples? Go into all the world and preach the gospel. So John, this is called the Apocalypse of John. The Apocalypto of John, right? And it simply means the culmination, the completion, the consummation of all things. So John is giving symbolic language to look at how this is all going to end, how it's all going to come together. And essentially, the mission of Jesus was what? To reconcile humans back to God, those who were willing, and to create a kingdom or a dominion of God on the earth amongst human beings. That's what the church is. The church is the dominion of God in the earth, demonstrated by those who are submitted to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why he is Lord, right? Out of every tribe and language and people and nation. Verse 10, so critical. And you have made them a kingdom and what? Priests to our God, and they shall live on the earth. I can't hear you. They shall what? They shall what? And what does it mean to reign? To rule, to be in a leadership capacity. So when he says you made them a kingdom, right, and priests, and let me tell you something, in the ancient world, the priests had a lot of power because they were the intermediary between God and the people. He has made us a kingdom of priests to offer sacrifice as intercessors for the world, all right, for the unbelievers. He has positioned us as leaders. This is so important. The ultimate goal was to reconcile restore the original intent in the mind of God, which was expressed in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 to 28, made man in his image and likeness and said what? Have what? Come on. Have dominion. So we've been called to leadership and dominion begins with self-mastery. Before you go master somebody else and the rest of the world, you got to master yourself. It begins with self-mastery and then extends out to your immediate circle, which is usually your family members, and then out into society in some capacity of leadership. We are all called to be leaders. So he's developing us as what? Leaders. Turn to your neighbor. Say, neighbor, you are a leader. God has called you to leadership. Yeah, and we lead in various ways, at various capacities, at different levels. We don't all lead at the same level. Amen? Amen. 
We don't all lead at the same level or in the same capacity. But you've got to see yourself as a leader. Because until you see yourself as a leader, you will not develop as a leader. You won't take leadership responsibility. You will just shrink back. Like uh, Minister Parker talked about it in the video. You will shrink back and you'll let others do that. I don't do that. Just tell me what I need to do. No, you are a model of God's grace in the earth, his love and his truth in the earth. He has established you as a leader. Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, you are a leader, whether you like it or know it or not. In, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 3, Paul says to, to the church of Corinth, he says, why are you acting like this? How many read that? It took two books to straighten out that church. <laughs> Couldn't do it in one short letter. It took two long letters to straighten out that church. He said, don't you know that you will judge angels? Yeah, we better go to that. Come on. We better go to that. Let's, let's look at it. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Let me get there. 1 Corinthians Chapter 6, verse, let's start at verse 1. And he was talking about tension between believers in the church. When one of you has a grievance against another, does he dare to go to law before the unrighteous instead of the saints? Or do you not know that the saints will judge the Come on, world. And if the world is to be judged by you, are you incompetent to try trivial cases? Do you not know that we are to judge angels? How much more than matters pertaining to this life? And he was talking about them going to court with each other when they should be settling things within the context of the Christian community. But we are called to leadership. Say it again. Say, I am, I am. called by God, called by God. To, leadership. to leadership. God has called me to be a leader. So lead. Lead. Lead in your community. Lead in your home. Lead in your neighborhood. And leadership does not mean taking control. It means modeling humility, empathy, a spirit of collaboration, and moral courage. It means modeling that towards a common goal, a common good. When there's a crisis, leaders emerge. Leaders rise to the occasion. We don't shrink back. We don't run. We rise to the occasion. We rise to the occasion. We rise to the occasion. So when crisis comes, don't be talking about, I need to sit down. We rise to the occasion. You've got to see yourself as such. And let me tell you something. How you see yourself will determine how you relate to God. I'm going to try that one more time. How you see yourself will determine how you relate to God. We were talking about Matthew 25 and the talents and how he gave one five. Yep, one five, one two. One two. And then one one. And one one. Yes. And we're talking about one. Yes. <laughs> the one. <laughs> he had, there's two perceptions going on there. One, his perception of God. Because remember, he responds and says, I hid it um, because I know that you're a harsh taskmaster. In some translation, a hard man, a rough man. Uh, that you, you, and he, he, the accusation was, <laughs> it was like crazy there. He said, you sow from places where, I mean, you reap from places where you haven't sown. Mm. You know, this is Jamalism. It's not written that way in the Bible. But basically, he's saying you, you're out there trying to receive from somewhere that you haven't put in, right? And so that was one perspective. And then, I mean, perception. Then he had a perception of himself because if he had a perception, a, a successful leadership perception of himself, in spite of the master, he still would have done what he does. Come anyway. on. Come right? on. So he, but so when you look at the individual, he had to look at himself in a certain way, and and in one uh, one um, uh, one writing says that he he was lazy and um, cowardice. Mm. He was lazy and cowardice. The guy with one talent. Yeah, the guy with one talent. The guys with two talent and five talent. They doubled in and they did what they did because they, they knew in order for you to double something, 
You have to have a perception of yourself. Right? In order for you to, 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 to be successful, most success, I want, I want to say all success, starts with your perception of yourself first. Right? Because if you don't believe you can do it, you're not going to do it. Mm. Mm. Right? No matter how many people try to convince you, no matter how many people try to uh, say, no, you can do it, if you, if you can't convince yourself, you're not going to do it. So if this individual had a certain perception of himself, in spite of his perception of the leader or the taskmaster or, or, or the man who gave him the talent, he still would have been successful because he just knows that's who he is. I'm a successful individual, so whatever you put in my hand, I'm going to multiply. See, and that's important because you can be in a work relationship where your boss or the person in charge that you're working for, you assess that they're really there to exploit. All right? And you could react to that. And instead of being productive, you shrink away intentionally. All right? In reaction to what you perceive about the person that you're dealing with who's in charge. All right? Because what the guy wants... And, and listen, it begins with the... And that's Matthew chapter 25. You get to read it. Uh, the talents. The main one we were talking about is verse 24. Yeah. Yeah. Verse 24, which is the one. So he, he gave to each of them according to their several ability. So the master already assessed, accurately assessed, each individual that he was working with. So the allegation that the, 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 the man with one talent brought against the master was erroneous. Because even though the master knew how this guy with one talent would handle that one talent, he still gave him the opportunity. He still gave him the talent. All right? So he gave one five. He doubled it. The guy with two doubled it. But the guy with one, what did he do? He buried it. And the reason he buried it, right, <laughs> is because of his perception of the master's attitude toward him. But it had more to do with him, not the master. And let me tell you, it always has to do with you before it has to do with the person that you're working for. Because God can do some amazing things. And throughout the scripture, we see where uh, who, the individual in charge was quite negative, And God did a miracle in the heart and experience of those who were under that kind of task master. So it's your perception of yourself that makes all the difference in the world. Self-perception is powerful, folks. It'll cause you to rise up. Now, can it be taken to the extreme? Absolutely. You can get infatuated with yourself. <laughs> so let no man think more highly of himself, but let him think what? Healthy, in a very healthy way, a healthy self-perspective, because that's going to determine. And notice, he buried the gift. So he buried the talent. That determines what you will do with the opportunity, what you will do with the resources. Instead of trying to multiply them, you look at the conditions that are adverse, get mad at the conditions, and do nothing with what you've got. And God's going to judge you with what you do, with what you've got. And he's placed something in each of our hands. That self-perception is so important. We're also talking about um, how the devil wants to see our weaknesses and deficiencies versus how the Holy Spirit, God wants us to see our weaknesses and deficiencies. Do we have enough time to go there? Yes, we do. And, and it's true because I was, okay, pray for me. So I was watching the Ray Charles uh, movie, and one of the things he said that stood out to me is, I'm going to make it do what I do, baby. Right? I was wondering why you wanted us to pray for you. <laughs> Watching Ray Charles or that statement. Okay, so it's a statement. Got it. Okay. But he had a self he had a perception of himself in spite of his weaknesses, right? So he was blind. Uh, and, and according to that blindness, he should not he was he was blind. He, he was um a person who was low educated. He came out of a, a low income environment. And so for him uh, to be as successful as he is, he had to not focus on his weaknesses but focuses on his strength. Mm -hmm. And when he made that statement, I said, wow. He had a perception of himself, and he said, I'm going to make it do what I do. That's what I do, and I'm going to be successful. So he had a perception of himself, and some of us, he just started saying, I'm going to make it do what I do, baby. <laughs> <laughs> There's, that's a good illustration. There is a difference between how the devil wants us to look at our weaknesses and how God wants us to look at our weaknesses. 
I'm going to say it again. There's a difference between how the devil wants us to see our weaknesses. And how many know we all have weaknesses? Yeah, we deal with human frailty, right? There's a dif difference between how the devil wants us to look at our weaknesses and how God wants us to look at our weaknesses. Let's, let's go in the time we don't have left to 2 Corinthians. It's a familiar passage, chapter 12. Verse 8. Now, if, you, if you've read, how many are familiar with 2 Corinthians 12 where it talks about Paul's thorn in the flesh? Right? Okay. So, Paul, all right, has an abundance of revelation. Incredible, the revelation that God gave him. Well, let's, 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 let's read it, all right? Verse 1, ESV. I must go on boasting. Though there is nothing to be gained by it, I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. So revelation was, was you know, special revelation. And there's a difference between special revelation and natural revelation, which we have to talk about as we talk about signs of the times. But he was getting special revelation, right? I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years, and there was a debate as to whether he was talking about somebody else, but actually he was talking about himself. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago uh, was caught up to the third heaven, paradise, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know, God knows. So he was having an experience, right? And he wasn't sure because it was such a profound spiritual experience. And I know this man was caught up into paradise, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows, and he heard things that cannot be told, which may, man may not utter. King James language, unlawful for man to utter. On behalf of this man, I will boast. But on my own behalf, right, I will not boast except of my weaknesses. Though if I should wish to boast, I would not be a fool, for I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain from it so that no one may think more of me than he sees in me or hears from me. Now listen, this is Paul being humbled because the abundance of revelation that God gave him exalted him in the mind of many, many believers, especially us today when we read the writings of Paul, the Apostle Paul. So to keep me from becoming conceited, oops, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the in my humanity, right? In the realm of my humanity, all right? A messenger of Satan to harass me. Now, there's debate as to what type of, was this a physical illness? Was it blindness that was striking Paul? What was it? Let's just put it this way. Keep it in the context. It was a messenger. It, so a messenger brings a what? A message. All right? And it was a message to constantly remind Paul that in spite of, of the abundance of revelations he experienced, all right, he's still human. And how many know sometimes God does remind us of our humanity? A messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Now look at Paul's response to this, right? Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should what? That it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power, my strength is made perfect. Come on, in what? The, and, and Paul has a theological shift here. He thinks weakness is a handicap. And the word weakness simply means his human frailties. He sees his human frailties as a handicap, making him less of an individual, less effective. And God is saying, no, I don't look at it that way. And I want you to see it differently. Therefore, Paul says, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, I can't hear you, church. When I am what? 
weak, then I am the devil wants us to look at our weaknesses as an opportunity for failure and discouragement but God wants us to look at our weaknesses as an opportunity for his grace to be made manifest in our lives an opportunity for us to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might no matter how strong we may think we are are y'all hearing me this morning it is so important how you see your human frailties you want to see it in the light of scripture. You want to see it the way God sees it. So we're all dealing with some weakness in, in our humanity. How many have human frailties? All right. If, you don't, if your hand is not up, you got a big one. <laughs> we all have things that we wrestle with, that we, that we pursue God. God, I don't want this in my life. I'm tired of dealing with this. And it, and it stays there. Why? So that we can deal with it. And as we deal with it and bring it under subjection again and again, every time it rears his head, we become stronger. Our capacity increases. The power of God and the grace of God becomes alive in us in ways that we never imagined. And a beautiful thing, it, it connects us with the humanity of others. Because if you are too perfect, people are going to, they're not going to be able to relate to you. They're going to look at you and say, well, you know, you wouldn't understand. But when we can share that we embrace the human frailty, and yet God can still work within us to accomplish his will and purposes, we bring glory to God. We bring glory to God and glory to his grace. Are you with me? And let me tell you something. Paul was a man of strength, power, discipline. He knew that he held a certain stature. So for him to have a weakness was bad, was a bad look. Let me know what I'm talking about. And there are people who will hide because they're embarrassed by their human frailty, embarrassed by the challenge that they have continuously in their life. So they'll hide, bury their talent and not become productive the way God wants you to. He wants to show that his grace can make you productive in spite of yourself. How many want to see that happen in your life? Amen? So we've got to look at ourselves in that way. And that's why you need authentic relationships doing life with you, doing life together. People who are going to be honest with you lovingly and lovingly say, you're talking to me. Come on. How many got people in, the, in your life where they can look and say, you're talking to me. You tell somebody else that I know you. All right. So let's deal with the real you. We need people in our lives and we need fellowship and community in that way. So pray for leaders. Pray for leaders. They have a greater responsibility because of their leadership. And guess what? You are a leader. So pray for yourself. Pray for your brothers and sisters. We are all been called to leadership. And that's what started. Oh, I don't want to jump into spiritual warfare. But that's what started this whole mess. Because God took an inferior. He made man a little lower than the angels. Crowned him with glory and honor. And gave him dominion over the works of his hands. You got that? He made him a little lower than the angels. And then put an inferior species in charge of the angels. And one angel got mad about it, and a war broke out. I'm going to leave that right there. We've come to the close. Did you get anything out of this today? Our minister is here, going to lead us in prayer and connect with you who don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Praise God for holy cliffhangers. Amen. We close every service by saying that Jesus is Lord, but we can't do that without giving someone the opportunity to make him Lord. For the record, I will never be offended as a white man to be called a white pastor. I am offended as a man who has grown during COVID to be called the elephant in the room. God knows my name. And Peloton knows it too. Relationships 
are critical. And Jesus built authentic relationships by talking honesty with people the world said he shouldn't. He built a brother and sisterhood by doing life together with the people who followed him. And in that, there was unity in diversity. They didn't all become the same. They all became a team. They all came together cohesive and consistent. Dominion begins with self-mastery. We need to see ourselves as leaders. And the process of leadership will test us. We may receive revelation along with a thorn in the flesh. We may have trials and tribulations on the way to victory. Praise God that in surrender, we can gain victory over pride and victory over our sinful selves. Praise God that with patience, we can go for God's best because that is good news. The good news is that a holy God so loved a rebellious world that he sent his only begotten son to live a sinless life, die in our place and rise from the grave, conquering death. And in doing so, he prayed a price for our sin and gives us a right to everlasting life. The good news is that we are all called to be leaders and by following faithfully, we will learn how to do it. The good news is that we can lead wherever God has planted us. The good news is we have as many talents as we need and more than we think, and we can always stop burying things in the ground. Mm. The good news is that empathy and moral courage are free and they're worth it. We may pay in the process of getting them. We may pay in the process of using them, but the benefit will always outweigh the cost. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you'd like to do that, I'd like to pray with you. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, I'd like to pray for you. I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. If you need truth, I want to pray for you. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. And if you need healing or freedom or hope, if you know that God is calling you to leadership, if you know that God is calling you out of isolation and into community, out of alienation and into purpose, I want to pray for you. Just raise your hand. Thank you. I see those hands. And if you raise your hand, I'm going to ask you to take a step of faith. Come down to this altar so that we, the church, can pray for you together. Because we want to come into agreement today with God's plan for your life. We want to come into agreement today for God's desire to call you out of darkness and into his marvelous life. Marvelous light. God is calling his people. He's calling his people home. He's calling his people up. He's calling his people higher. He is calling us to authority and accountability. He is calling us to transformation and change. He is calling us to a new thing. He said, behold, I do a new thing. Do you not see it? He is calling us to open our eyes and to see and bear witness to what he's doing in the lives of his people, individuals, families, Beloved, let us celebrate this moment because every person here represents a family. Every person here represents a community. Every person here represents a history. Every person here represents a victory, a breakthrough. There is, there is transformation happening in this place, in this moment. And we need to get on board with what God is doing so we can give God praise for that. Amen, amen, and amen. All right. Now, if you are coming for the first time, just repeat after me. Father, I repent of my sin. I believe Christ died on the cross and rose again to pay the price for my sin. I confess him as Lord and Savior. And your word says, I'm born again. I am your child. You are my God. I will never be perfect, but I am forever changed. I pray in Jesus' name. Now we're going to pray a prayer of rededication for those and, and everyone in the congregation. If that's not you, please give them your support. Lord, I thank you. Lord, I thank you. That every day, that every day your mercies are new. Your mercies are I thank you, thank you that today, today is a day, a day of new beginning. New beginning. You, said, you said, if we confess, we confess our sin, you are faithful, faithful and, just and just to forgive us forgive of us our sin, our sin and, cleanse us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All unrighteousness. So today, today, I claim restoration. Today, today I claim renewal. I claim today, today, 
I claim revival. Today, I claim hope. Today, I claim change. I pray in Jesus' name. Family, let us just celebrate. Celebrate those who have come to him. Celebrate those who have come back to him. Celebrate those who are doing a new thing and are part of the new thing that God is doing. Now, change is not an event. It's a process. Now the journey in Christ begins. We have some materials that we would like to put in your hand. I'm, I'm going to ask because I don't know in this case. Do we have a room where we can put materials? We'll give you a room in the uh, lobby in the vision hall. Praise the Lord. Right there. So I'm going to ask uh, the, the, our Ministry of Helps uh, representatives will lead you out into the vision hall where someone will be there to talk to you about the decision that you just made. We have some materials we want to put in your hand. And I just want to say to you, God bless you. Congratulations. Your life will never be the same. Family, we got a new direction. Elder Shaw is the Macedonia room. All right, so Elder Shaw is coming around, and he's going to meet up with you over here, and he'll take you out these doors to uh, my right, your left. So, your left. Turn to your left, our right, and follow our ministers out, and they're going to spend a few minutes with you. Amen? And that's if you prayed this prayer. To receive Jesus into your heart for the first time. If you're here with simply to renew yourselves, then you're free to go back to your seat. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's give God a good hand clap offering. Listen, when the devil puts a squeeze on you, it's to get you to quit, to fail, to give up, to discourage you. When God puts a squeeze on you, it's to get the juice out. Are you hearing me? Turn to your neighbor. Say, neighbor, when God's doing it, the juice is worth the squeeze. Come on, let's say something good as we leave this place, but never God's presence. Jesus is Lord, period. We believe it, we proclaim it, and we're seeing it come to pass. God bless you. Have a wonderful week in the Lord. Thanks for tuning in to the A.R. Bernard podcast. I hope you were enriched by the information and or the conversation. Make sure subscribe by clicking the link in the bio to gain more information about me and the work that I'm doing. Again, thank you and God bless.